Welcome to the Scale Up Your Business podcast. In this podcast, we talk about what it takes to go from startup to scale up and beyond. How to significantly grow your business, create freedom, build wealth, and live life on your terms. Featuring some very special guests and experts to give you advice and direction on your journey. And now, introducing your host, entrepreneur, investor, and scale-up specialist, Nick Bradley. G'day, everyone. It is Nick here, and we are back with the Scale Up Your Business podcast and another great guest. Now, I hope you are getting a lot out of the different people I'm bringing on the show. Over the last few weeks, I have tried to, let's just say, mix it up a bit because, you know, there are a lot of different people out there with different stories, different messages to get across. And Scale Your Business has never been, in terms of the vision for the podcast, it's never been just about, you know, always people in amazingly high profile business careers and all that sort of stuff. I, I like to bring the, the balance between entrepreneurs, experts, people just doing really interesting and clever things. Now, of course, the thread, the thread is business, but it's not just about business. Now, today I'm going to get into something which is a bit of a hot topic for me, for our listeners, for everyone, I think, particularly now. And we're going to get into, I suppose, let's call it distraction or how do you manage distraction or probably a better way of talking about it is how do you get more focused? So I'm delighted to have as my guest today, Nir Isle. Now, if you haven't heard of Nir, he has spoken on some of the world's biggest stages. He's been part of Mind Valley, spoken there. Um, he is probably the best way to describe it is he sits at the intersection of psychology, technology, business. He calls it sort of behavioral design, but he looks at the areas of things like user experience, behavioral economics, a little bit of neuroscience, and blends all of that very interesting but somewhat well can be somewhat complex stuff together to make sense of it for you and I and for people at large. So what we're going to be talking about today specifically though is his new book which is called Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. Now the thing I absolutely love about this conversation is firstly I have to be on my game because Nia is a clever chap and uh, you know he bounces very quickly from topic to topic and his brain is working at, at sort of let's call it light speed. But the second thing is that let's just think about this topic for a second, you know, indistractable. How many things do we have out there right now that are distracting us? And one of the things we we get into is is technology actually an enabler? Or is it something which is causing more chaos, more uncertainty, uh, more lack of focus? So you're going to get a lot out of this one. This is one I suggest you get the notepad out, uh, take as many notes as you possibly can. There are some habits, some tactics, things like that that we get into today. But I know you are going to get a lot out of this one. So welcome to the show, Nia Isle. Hi, everybody. It's Nick Bradley here. Welcome to Scale Up Your Business for another episode, another week, another amazing guest on the show. So today, I'm delighted to have Nia Yao. On the, he's going to tell me it's got it wrong. I, we've really just practiced the name okay, <laughs> for Nier? about five minutes. I got sure. the Nier right, Nier didn't I? Al. So it, it's, Al. Uh, think of it as A-Y-A-L. So Nia Al. Nia Al. 
I'm just going to say near. <laughs> Do you know what? I'm very respectful of it, and I'm very. You're being very humble and polite. Close enough. No, you're, you're good. Near <laughs> AL. So what we're going to cover today, so a little bit of background uh, about Nir. So he writes, consults, teaches about the intersection of psychology, technology, and business, um, has done a heap of work around marketing at um, Stanford, uh, has worked at BCG where I was for a while. What we're going to talk about today, though, is we're going to talk about focus, intention, habits, uh, and his book, Indistractable, which is an amazing read. And the importance of this for everyone listening and the, and the people who have listened to Scale Up Your Business for some time is this is one of the things that people struggle with the most. So, Nia, it is a delight to have you on the show today. Thank you. My pleasure to be here. Excellent. So tell me about how you got into this. So, how, you know, what was the background that got you to sort of make this your life's work, habits, focus, intention, those sort of things? Yeah. So I'm what you call a behavioral designer. So I help companies design habits that improve their users' lives. So I specialize in the healthcare industry to get people to uh, use medical devices or take their medication. Uh, I work in the ed tech industry to help okay. uh, students stay involved with their online learning. Uh, I work in uh, fintech to help people use the kind of products that help them save money. So the idea behind what I do as the behavioral designer is to work with companies to build the kind of products that build good habits in people's lives. And the way I learned my craft was to study the best in the business. So I taught for many years at the Stanford Graduate School of Business and the Hassel Planner Institute of Design at Stanford, where I taught the psychology behind why products like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, WhatsApp, Slack, Snapchat, all of these masters of persuasion so that people could use these very same techniques for good. And that book, uh, that uh, my first book was called Hooked, How to Build Habit-Forming Products. And that was based on that class at Stanford. And the book has sold over half a million copies and is used in every conceivable industry that it needs to bring people back. Uh, that's really what that book was for. Now, the flip side of building good habits is that sometimes we have bad habits. And yeah. so Indistractable, my second book, was about how do we break the bad habits in our life. And so we can have our cake and eat it too. We can build good habits and use technology in ways that enhance our lives. And as you know, business people out there looking to scale up their business, uh, learning how to bring people back is incredibly important because as you know, growth without retention is what we call a leaky bucket, right? You can always buy growth. Many people don't realize this as they're scaling up their business. Everybody wants their, their business to grow. They want more customers. They want more users. But you can always buy that, right? You just back up the truck of money and give it to Google, give it to Facebook, give it to the cable companies, give it to the advertisers, and they'll find you more customers. But you can't buy customer retention and engagement. That must be designed into the product. And so you have to understand the fundamentals of how to bring people back, the psychology of habits, and specifically right. on how to build habit-forming products. So that was the first book. The second book is about the other side of the story about how do we break these bad habits. And I know this is something that so many uh, of us entrepreneurs struggle with is, you know, I, I, I'm an active angel investor. I've invested in over 30 companies, three unicorns so far. And uh, the, the most common problem I see with, uh, with people I choose not to invest in is that they struggle with prioritization. They struggle with focus. They struggle with too much distraction because I believe, you know, I've been a two-time CEO and I believe that the CEO's only job is one thing. You only have one job. That job is to prioritize. That's it. Everything else is details, <laughs> right? So for someone, always... for someone who is, you know, as I said, your life's work or certainly your, your, your interest in this space, how do you personally do it? So, so, I mean, well, I, firstly, are you good at it? <laughs> right? well, you must it, be relatively good because you've learned it, but let's just unpack that a bit. 
Oh, let me tell you, I wrote, uh, I write all my books because I have a problem, right? Yeah. So one of my uh, good author friends, Gretchen Rubin, you may have read some of her books. Yeah. Uh, she, she told me one time that research is me search. And that is so true for me that I wrote hooked because I couldn't find a book on how to build habit forming products. And I wanted to build a habit forming products. I wrote indistractable because I was crazy distracted. You know why it took me five years to write that book? Because I kept getting distracted when I was writing. <laughs> it's a symptomatic thing, though, of entrepreneurs and people who are kind of in our space because we like new things, right? And there's a bit where, and, I, and I've been like this beforehand, you know, I've read Gary Keller's book, The One Thing and all those, but but opportunities present themselves, right? right? And there's a certain discipline, there's a discipline, but then there's the emotional side, right, of how you make choices. And I'd love to just get into how you've thought about this because I think it will help a lot of people listening to yeah. the show. So this is absolutely, absolutely critical. I mean, this is, you know, it is the skill of the century because look, it's always been hard to be an entrepreneur. It's always been uh, uh, a distractible job, right? Because there's so many entrepreneurs. Look, if you're, so, if you're good at what you do uh, as an entrepreneur, as someone who's scaling up their business, you do have opportunities coming to your door. You're the kind of person who's optimistic and opportunistic. And of course, you're going to see all these opportunities come to you. That's, that's, a, that's a high class problem to have, but it's a problem nonetheless. And now it's become even more difficult because now we're carrying around these little devices with us that are constantly pinging and dinging us and potentially distracting us. So what most people do is they blame the distractions. They blame the technologies. And that's, that's at first what I read in all these books, right? All these books that tell you, take a digital detox, stop using your technology. You know, some professor up in an ivory tower who's never <laughs> been on social media telling me to quit social media. Shut up. Are you kidding me? My job depends upon me using email and social media. You're going to tell me to stop it? That's ridiculous. So look, I have built tech companies. I know you need to use these tools and I want you to use these tools, but I want you to use them on your terms. So let, let's start with what are we talking about when we talk about distraction? What does that word even mean? I thought I knew what I meant. Yeah, I didn't. And a good way to test yourself to see if you know what that word really means is to ask yourself, what is the opposite, right? A good way to know if you know something is to ask yourself, do you know the antonym of that term? So what is the opposite of distraction? Most people will tell you the opposite of distraction is focus, right? Yeah. Wrong. The opposite That's where of I was. I'll be really honest. I was at focus. So well, you, you've read the book, so you already know the answer. The opposite of distraction is not focus. The opposite of distraction is traction. That if you look at the etymology of both terms, they both mm -hmm. come from the same Latin root, trahare, which means to pull. And both words end in the same six letters, A-C-T-I-O-N, which spells action, reminding us that distraction is not something that happens to us, but rather it is an action we take. So traction by definition, is any action that pulls you towards what you said you were going to do, things you do with intent, things that move you closer to your values and help you become the kind of person you want to become. The opposite of traction is distraction. Distraction mm -hmm. is any action that pulls you further away from what you plan to do, further away from the things you intended to do, further away from your values and further away from becoming the kind of person you want to become. So this is really, really important. This isn't just semantics. Why? Because I would argue anything can be traction or distraction. Let me give you an example. My daily routine for years, remember I told you it took me five years to write this book because I kept getting distracted. My daily routine used to be, I would sit down at my desk and I would say, okay, you know what? I got to make those sales calls today. Or you know what? I got I to gotta pitch those investors or I got I to gotta finish this proposal or I got to do this or that thing that I didn't feel like doing again and I've been procrastinating on. I got to do it. No more procrastination, no more distraction. Here I go. I'm going to get started right now. Nothing's going to get in my way. 
but first let me check some email. Oh yeah, this like, no, 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 I know this. This, this never is, this happens is to my you, morning. Right? No, no, this is my morning. I'm really honest, man. Like you know, I, I'm kind of writing this. I, but part, part of wanting to speak to you is like you know, you've you've spent five years mastering this stuff. So I'm, yes, you know, I'm, this exactly. is this is a bit of a, a lesson for Nick Bradley today. So, so why do we, why do we do this? Why do we do this? Because we allow ourselves to be tricked by the most dangerous, most pernicious form of distraction, which is the kind of distraction that tricks you into prioritizing the urgent and the easy work at the expense of the hard and, uh, uh, and important work that you know you have to do to move your career forward. So the way it tricks us is by uh, making us think that it's something we have to do anyway. Right, I got to check email at some point. That's a work-related task. I'm I'm busy. I'm doing worky stuff. Email has got to get checked at some point, right? Wrong. Because if it's not what you plan to do with your time in advance, it is just as much of a distraction as playing a video game or going on Facebook. Because anything that is not what you plan to do with your time is a distraction. We have a whole generation of entrepreneurs who have all the intellect, they have all the insight, they know exactly what to do, but they're running real fast in the wrong direction, spending all their time with busyness as opposed to business. So just because something's a work-related task doesn't mean it's not a distraction. And why, Anything but why distraction, do we do that? Why, do. why do we do that? Is, is, it, is it a pain okay. and pleasure thing or is that too simplistic? I'll, I'll get to that in just a second, but let's talk about oh. the other side of the story, traction. We talked about distraction. Yeah. The other side is that anything can be traction. That if it's what you plan to do with your time, you want to play a video game, do it. You want to go on Facebook, awesome. You want to watch videos on YouTube, great. Whatever it is you plan to do with your time is wonderful as long as it's on your schedule and according to your values and nobody else's, okay? So we've got traction, the mm -hmm. things you plan to do with intent, then we got distraction, everything else. Now, to your question, why do we go off track? What prompts us to do things that aren't what we said we're going to do? I mean, think about how crazy this is. We all know what to do. Right? Who doesn't know that if you want to get in shape, you got to eat right and exercise? Does anybody need a goddamn diet book to tell them that? Another guru to tell it? No, we know. <laughs> Does anybody not know that if you want to have good relationships with your family, you have to be fully present as opposed to checking your stupid phone while you're at the dinner table? We know that. Does anybody not know that if you want to do well at your job, you got to do the hard work that other people don't want to do? Does anybody not know this? We know this. The question is, why don't we do it? Here's why we don't do it. There are two kinds of triggers that can take us off track. We have what we call external triggers. External triggers, this is the usual suspects, the pings, the dings, the rings, right? All the things yep. in our outside environment that can lead us off track. Now, this is what most people tend to blame. They say, oh, my email got me off track. The customer called me. My boss needed me. All these things outside of me distracted me. Turns out that's only 10% of the time you get distracted. Do you get distracted because of an external trigger? Only 10%. We've done this in studies. 10% of the time that you get distracted is because of an external trigger. So we have to do something about it. But of course, the logical question is, wait a minute, what's the other 90%? The other 90% of the time that you go off track, that we get distracted, you know why we get distracted? Not because of an external trigger, but because of what we call an internal trigger. What is an internal trigger? An internal trigger is an uncomfortable emotional state that we seek to escape. Boredom, loneliness, stress, anxiety, fatigue, these are the key drivers of 90% of the time that we get distracted. We are looking to escape discomfort. So I'm here to tell you, after five years of researching pretty much everything there is to know about distraction procrastination, that no tips, no tricks, no gurus, no life hacks are going to help you unless you understand this mantra. Listen carefully, write this down. Time management is pain management. 
Time management is pain management. If you don't learn Ooh. how to control your emotions so that you so that they serve you as opposed to you serving them, you will always be distracted. And here's the good news. Most people jump to the conclusion, oh, there must be something wrong with me. Let me go get a diagnosis. I'm sure I have some kind of disorder. Give me a pill to fix this problem. Stop it. For the vast majority of people, there is nothing wrong with you. You simply haven't learned the skills that anyone can learn in an afternoon to become indistractable. So the first step, step number one, let's do it. Master let's the this internal down. triggers. Okay, that's yep. step number yep. one. You have to do that first. Learn just a few techniques that I can teach you in you know, 30 minutes with my book. You can learn this, how to master the internal triggers. Step number two, make time for traction. If you don't plan your day, somebody's going to plan it for you. If you don't keep a time box calendar, shut up about being distracted because what did you get distracted from? If you don't plan it every minute of your day, you have no right to say you got distracted because everything's a distraction unless you know what you will do with your time. Throw away that to-do list. People don't understand. To-do lists have been shown to be the worst thing you can do for your personal productivity. We can get into why. A much better technique is a time box calendar. And I show you exactly how to do that based on your values. Step number three, hack back the external triggers, all those pings and dings. It's only 10% of the time you get distracted is because of an external trigger, but I can show you some very quick hacks, some things that you can do in just a few minutes to hack back email, hack back social media, hack back meetings. Oh my God, how much time do we spend on stupid, distracting oh meetings? I tell you how to get rid <laughs> no, of them. I've been down that journey as well. I'll tell you how to get rid of all of them. Very, very easy to do. And then finally, step number four, the last step is to prevent distraction with pacts, which is where we make a pre-commitment so that we have a firewall against distractions so that when everything else fails, we make sure we don't get distracted. And it's when we use these four techniques in concert, this is how anyone can become indistractable. Let me tell you, it completely changed my life. I'm awesome. 43 this, years this old. This is so good. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the best shape of my life. I used to be obese. I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm embarrassed to say, but I'll divulge to you. I have a six pack, six pack abs for the first time in my life. You know why? Because I exercise frequently, right? I do what I say I'm going to do. I eat right because I said I would. My business is, is doing better than ever. I have a better relationship with my family and friends than I've ever had before because I have personal integrity. I do what I say I'm going to do as opposed to before when I was constantly distracted now I'm indistractable. Let's go into, I know it's in the book and people can go deep into the book, but it's always good to hear, I think, when people kind of articulate that, particularly in their own scenarios, in their own situations. So let's go through yeah. the four if we can. Sure. So, and, and, and the key learnings would be great of when you went through this yourself, the things that you then took away and how you contextualized that and then made it happen. Sure. Yeah, where do you want to start? Or let's do this for you. You can Let's read all about my story. Do it. In the book. Do it for That's... me, well, exactly. The, the book is great, right? The book. It's yeah. always good and to you... hear, and people know me, right? So, <laughs> okay. Well, let's, let's dissect. Your, you said you're very distracted. So, tell me about what you find yourself getting distracted from. So, I I have a, a reasonably good awareness of what's going on, right? So, I I am quite intentional with my my planning and my timing. I, I plan my week on a Sunday. I plan my day in advance before going to bed. Everything is time bound. So, I'm pretty good with that. I used good. to be like you know have too much scheduled for things that actually probably weren't aligned to a my priorities or my values. And I've mm -hmm. managed to now fill my week, if you like, by the things that are my highest values. So those things okay. are good. But here's the thing, because mm -hmm. I'm involved in multiple businesses, I've got other things going on. There are certain things that I'm good at leveraging. And there are mm -hmm. certain things that I still have a control tendency around. Mm -hmm. But those control tendencies are not necessarily things that I love doing or am good at doing, mm -hmm. but I have a pull towards them. So I have this kind of conflict, if, this, if you're still with me on this, this conflict of, yeah. I don't really want to do this, but I don't think anyone else can do it better than me. So I'm just going to do it. And then I get yeah. agitated and I procrastinate because it's not what yes. I really want to be doing. Uh, okay. So let me, let me stop you right there because I want you to take a, a second 
to reflect upon how many feelings you just stated, agitated, frustrated, right? This yeah. feelings uh, that you, this feeling that you had, this need for control, this agitation. This is the problem. Yeah. That you know, don't jump to saying, "Well, I pretty much know what I'm doing." Yeah, I've heard all this stuff and it distracted. Well, yeah, yeah. Schedule your day. Blah blah blah. No, back up. Stop. Don't pass go. You have to deal with the feelings. You have to deal with the feelings because that's all they are. The number one reason we don't do what we say we're going to do, the number one reason we procrastinate, it's not a character flaw. There's nothing wrong with you. It's simply that we don't know how to deal with this type of discomfort. It's, I don't feel like it. Why don't we work out when we say we will? I don't feel like it. Why don't we work on the thing we said we were going to and instead we do something else? Because I feel like I'm compelled to do this other thing. Nobody's going to do it as well as I can. I feel like I must. Feelings, 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 feelings. And it's that squishy, gushy stuff that a lot of people don't want to deal with. But I'm telling you, it's keeping you from being your best and doing your best work. We have to figure out what's going to happen the next time you feel that discomfort. So that's step number one. Before you go to step number two, you have to have three or four things you know you're going to do the next time that uncomfortable feeling rears its ugly You said head. That in the book, you talk about them as triggers, as kind of things that you can actually do. How do you, how do you identify those triggers? Yeah. So what we want to do is to start with a, what we call a distraction tracker. So we want to bring awareness to those, those emotions. And you've already started doing that, right? That you know that when you feel that, uh, uh, that a certain task won't be done right, okay, then you have to jump in. So, and you know that's the wrong thing to do. I can tell by, by your demeanor and you know, your tone. You, you know you shouldn't jump in, but sometimes you can't help yourself, right? Yeah. So what I want you to do, your homework, is to ask yourself, what technique can I use the next time I feel the impulse? And that's all this is, procrastination, distraction. It's just an impulse control issue. What will I do the next time I feel the impulse to do something that is not what I plan to do with my time? So let me give you a few techniques. This is what I do almost every single day. So one technique that I love that comes from acceptance and commitment therapy, by the way, the book is full of, of, of solid research. You know, I hate these business books that are all about, well, here's how I built my business. And so you should do the same. Okay. That's nice. I want to see the peer reviewed studies, right? I don't want to just see the survivorship biased. I want to see the stuff that has been validated in journals. And so there are 30 pages of citations to everything I, I advise in my book. It's very, very well researched. And so the, this technique comes from acceptance and commitment therapy. It's called the 10 minute rule. The 10 minute rule says that you can give in to a distraction, but not right now, but not right now. You don't want to tell yourself no, because abstinence tends to backfire. Instead, what you want to do is to tell yourself not yet. So you want to be aware that, hey, next time I feel that discomfort of the need for control, this is a fundamental need for what we call agency. The need to control something yeah. is, a, is a primal human desire, especially among entrepreneurs. We feel it in full effect. The next time I feel that discomfort, what am I going to do? Am I going to give in right away? No. What I want you to do is to set an alarm. You can do it on your phone. I do it all the time. I just tell my phone, set a timer for 10 minutes. I put my phone down. And now I want you to practice what's called surfing the urge. Surfing the urge, again, comes from acceptance of the commitment therapy. What it acknowledges is that these uncomfortable sensations, these internal triggers are like waves, okay? In the moment, it feels like they're going to last forever, but of course they never do. They are like waves. They crest and then they subside. And so if you can ride that internal trigger like a surfer on a surfboard for just 10 minutes, 10 minutes is all it takes, what you will find is by the time those 10 minutes are up, you will have, have not, you will no longer feel that sensation. So what I do is I set the timer for 10 minutes. 
And now I have a choice to make. I can either get back to the task at hand, whatever it was that was on my calendar that I was supposed to be doing with my time in advance, or I can just sit with that sensation. Okay, so I'll close my eyes for a minute. Okay, what am I experiencing right now? Hmm, I really want to jump in on this project because they're not going to do it right. They're going to screw it up. Is that a rational fear? Is that actually what's happening? Could there be another way to look at it? I'm just doing this dialogue with myself to work through that sensation as a buffer to jumping in. Now, later, I can budget time to do that task. I'm not saying don't do that task. I'm saying don't let that task take you off task from what you said you would do with your time. So that's just one of a dozen different techniques we can use. So the starting point, just to jump on that, though, is making sure that you have that intention around your time established first. So that's step number two. That's making time okay, for yeah. traction. Right. Right. So, okay. So, so you're doing that second. Okay. So, and why would you have it the other way around? Uh, as opposed to saying, this is my, this is what I'm going to do. And then when I feel the urge, as you were saying, then you have the various techniques. Right. So that, so what I want folks to do is to use one technique from each of these four strategies. And then we yeah. build more and more and more of these techniques in our okay. daily lives because doing everything all at once is, is too much. No, right? I, I know. You become, what's that? What's that thing? Tony Robbins says one, two, three, many. And then all of a sudden it becomes overwhelmed and then people don't do exactly. anything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> okay, so if you it. can say, look, I'm going to take on one emotion. Okay. This is my biggest distraction. I tend to jump in and, and I go off track from something I said I was going to do. I said I was going to work on a big proposal. That's my highest valued use. It's on my calendar. And yet I'm doing something else. I'm going to tackle that. Why do I do that? Okay. Master the internal triggers. Step number two, make time for traction. Am I living out my values? This is a really, really important mm. point. Values are another one of these words that people talk a good game about, and most people don't have a definition for. My definition of values are attributes of the person you want to become. Okay. Fascinating. Values I mean, are I've attributes done some, of the person uh, you want to become. I've done some work with um, Dr. John DiMartini on this, and he defines values different to that, but he talks about it as your highest value, the thing that you get energy from, as opposed to just a word that's on a wall. Yeah. So, so, so my, my, my definition has to do with turning that into time, right? Okay. So the reason it's so important is because you know, a value is an attribute of the person you want to become. So you can actually ask yourself, wait a minute, am I putting time in my calendar to live out that value because I can talk about it all day long. That's my highest valued use. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I, I value my health. Very, very important. Yeah. But do you have a bedtime? Because we know that sleep is absolutely critical for psychological and physiological well-being. Yeah. Right. So is that on your calendar? Do you have time? Yeah, so for I, and, and for me in, in, on this piece is to jump in. So where I am very intentioned and very focused and always just deliver it, right. Is anything to do with health and fitness. Awesome, so going, awesome. to the, going to the gym, going to sleep, eating well, you know, my diary, I put that in my diary first and I never yeah. miss it. So that's fantastic. And, and hey, if that's your values, fantastic. Now, I want to be very clear. Yeah. That's not everybody's values. If no. you have no interest in exercise, don't do it. I'm not saying you should do it. <laughs> I don't care what you do with your time. I want you to ask yourself, how would the person I want to become spend their time according to these three life domains? Number one is you. Okay. You are mm -hmm. the center of these three life domains. Everything that has to do with you physical fitness, health, wellness, education, video games. You want to play video games? Awesome. Put time in your calendar for it. The next domain is your relationship. The, the reason we have a loneliness epidemic in this country or in, in my country, I know you're in the UK, yeah. in the US, we have this epidemic sure, of loneliness. I'm sure it's everywhere. I'm sure it happens here it's, too. It's everywhere. Is <laughs> because people don't make time for their important relationships in their life. So put it in your calendar. If you have children, if you have a spouse, if you have brothers and sisters, parents, friends, do you have regular occasions to connect with those people? Put it on your schedule according to how you, uh, to help you become the kind of person you want to become. And then finally, finally, the last domain is your work domain. What most people do 
is that they run around all day long doing what we call reactive work. Reactive work is reacting to emails, reacting to meetings, reacting to notifications, and they make no time on their calendar for what we call reflective work. Reflective work is the kind of strategizing, creative thinking, planning that can only be done without distraction. So I'm not saying your entire day has to be done, uh, spent doing reflective work, but if you're not spending at least some time in your day with time protected and kept sacred for reflective work, you're missing a huge opportunity. So this is how we turn our values okay. into time. We make them real. Got it. Okay, very interesting. And, and, and what about then, just to play with this a little bit. So if something I is a high value for me, we talked about health and fitness, you know, I don't have to ever be persuaded or convince myself to ever put time into that. If anything, I can be distracted to that totally. versus something else. Now, it's what a great point. If, a lot of people I know, by the way, uh, yeah. are distracted by what they think are healthy behaviors. How, how can I be distracted by physical fitness? Let me tell you, I know a lot of people who are avoiding a crappy home life, a difficult work situation by saying, well, I, I'm just exercising, right? I need my physical yeah, fitness. No, I no, did that for anything years. can I be a distraction if it's not what but you plan to do. My question on that is if there is something that you should do, right? Mm -hmm. it, it could be fit into one of the three categories we just spoke about, but you don't want to do it. Yeah. So that's where this is most helpful because okay. look, the stuff you want to do, that's easy. Nobody gets distracted from flow. You know, a lot of people think, oh, the answer yeah. to doing what you want to do, everybody's read flow, you know, Mihai Csikszentmihalyi yeah. says that you can get in the state of flow. And it's very nice if you can find it, right? Like the examples of flow, if you read, no, very few people have actually read the book cover to cover, but if you read the book, it's about like surfers and basketball players doing things they like to do. But how do you get into flow doing your stupid taxes or like doing something you really yeah, don't want to yeah, do? Absolutely, yeah, monthly yeah tax returns and all that exactly, sort of thing. Exactly, exactly. It's not it's not exactly what I call the most enthralling work. Some people love it, but right, okay. <laughs> yes, but that's where that's where we tend to get distracted. Why? Yes, those darn internal triggers. We don't feel like it. It doesn't feel good, so we avoid it. Because remember, it's an impulse control issue. So that's the kind of stuff we get distracted. We don't get distracted from the stuff we like. <laughs> we get distracted no. by doing the stuff we don't like. So that's where it, becoming indistractable is super useful. Yeah, and but on on that piece though, so that, so it goes back to your your first point really about the various techniques that are in the book as well mm -hmm. to kind of manage your emotions about that. So right. so is there a point there if I don't want to do something but it's something that I have to do because it's important to my bigger vision or whatever else. Is there a way, therefore, of me managing that emotion so that it, I feel like I, I do want to do it? Yeah. So, okay. So one thing, so there's many, many techniques. I mentioned there's dozens of different techniques yeah, know, you can use. So the idea here is to have arrows in your quiver ready to go so that when you feel that discomfort, you know what to do with it. Most people escape it, right? They escape it by turning on the TV, watching the news, taking a shot of some drink, uh, scrolling email, whatever. They'll find a way to escape towards distraction rather than traction. So the first thing we have to do is to reimagine those triggers, okay? If we can see the trigger differently, a big problem I think in the self-help business community, the coaching community, is that we have an unrealistic expectation of happiness. That some reason, it sells a lot of books to tell people that your goal in life should be to be happy and that the road to happiness is by buying my book, I'll tell you what to do. Stop it, okay? The human species is not designed to be happy. That is a fleeting sensation. Think about it for just a minute. If evolutionarily there was ever a tribe of homo sapiens who were happy all the time, who were satisfied, who were contented, you know what would have happened to them? Our ancestors would have met them, killed them, and eaten them. 
because oh, yeah. it is not oh, evolutionarily God, beneficial, <laughs> right? We, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you have a group of, of people who are satisfied with everything? No, we are designed evolutionarily to be perpetually perturbed. We always are dissatisfied. That is our default state. Now, sometimes that can become an unhealthy thing, but I don't want anyone to believe that we that that should be the goal, that satisfaction should be the, that if you're not happy all the time, if you're not satisfied, if you're not contented, that something's wrong. Look, sometimes tasks are going to be difficult. And so the solution isn't to run away from them. The solution is to deal with that discomfort in a healthy way that leads us towards traction rather than distraction. So there's a lot of things we can do. For example, changing how we talk to ourselves. You know, entrepreneurs have a big problem with what we call self-compassion. And mm-hmm. self-compassion has been found in study after study to be a critical trait of people who accomplish their long-term goals. The way we talk to ourselves is absolutely critical. So I used to have this problem before I went on stage. You know, prior to, to COVID, I, I was I, I was uh, doing professional speaking every single month. That was my profession. And uh, when I first started, I used to get terrible stage fright. And before I go, would go on stage, I would say a little prayer and say, oh my God, I hope the AV system crashes so I don't have to go on stage because my, <laughs> really? my palms were sweaty and, and my armpits were stained and I was shaking sometimes. I mean, I had terrible stage fright yeah. until I learned to reimagine the trigger. So I used to, when I had that uncomfortable emotional sensation and all I want to do was go take a drink to relax or do something to take my mind off that sensation, thinking that, oh, you see, look, I'm nervous now. That means that I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to do a good job, that I'm going to mess this up, that maybe I'm not for real. Maybe I'm a big fake. Instead, I changed the dialogue. I said, you know what? This doesn't have to be comfortable. You know what's happening right now? I feel my heart thumping in my chest and my armpits are sweaty because my brain is getting, my, is getting ready to perform at its peak by sending more oxygen to my, to my neurons right now. Right. So I change the conversation. I reimagine the internal triggers. You could do the same at your desk. You feel that urge to jump into a project. Well, why? Right. Change the conversations because I care about this project. Okay. How can I deal with that sensation of caring about this project in a healthier way than what would otherwise lead me towards distraction? So that's another big technique. It's about reimagining the the internal trigger. And again, there's dozens of these different techniques. Yeah, I, I know. We, as I said, we won't go through all of them. We haven't got the time. But things like um, affirmations and those sort of things, do you do they work in your mind? Because again, sometimes people say that's about programming various conversations or states. Do you, do you advocate that type of thing? Yeah. So so uh, affirmations and visualizations. There's there's uh, there's a right way and there's a wrong way to do them. Uh, a yeah. lot of times, uh, for example, visualizations. I know they're not exactly affirmations, but they're kind of in the same bucket. A lot of people, you know, they they have this myth around uh, the law of attraction that if I just mm-hmm. visualize my future state, then I'll get it. And that's complete rubbish. Not true. Doesn't work. And in fact, it makes you less likely to get what you want because when you tell yourself, I'm perfect, I'm wonderful, let me affirm everything about me, and that someday I'm going to be retired on a beach with millions of dollars and have a beach body, your brain gets a little bit of pleasure imagining that outcome and makes you actually less likely to go get it, believe it or not. Well, less the hungry, proper so way, what's that? Less hungry, so to speak. Exactly. You, you get a bit of, so you, you don't get the, the drive is reduced a bit. Exactly. As opposed okay. to the right way to affirm and visualize is to visualize not the outcome, but what you will do when you are potentially distracted from doing the thing that will get you that outcome. So the right thing to visualize, okay. let's say you're, you want to lose weight, right? The right thing to visualize 
is not, oh, I can't wait to go to the beach and show off my beach body. That's not the right thing to visualize. That's not the right thing to affirm. The right thing to visualize and affirm is when I go to the party and someone offers me a piece of chocolate cake, this is what I will do. This is what I will say. That's the right type of, of so affirmation. So you're effectively rehearsing the action that's going to get you the result. Exactly. You the know right what action. you will do when you are tempted. Okay, I like that. I haven't heard that before because you hear a lot of people going out and you know, they get up in the morning, they do their 50 incantations or whatever it is, and not, then they're still it, poor or, or fat right. or whatever it's, it is. It right? can't actually backfire. So, you know, so the book no. is full of me overturning apple carts. There's so much myth and... Uh, pop psychology BS out there. <laughs> it's unbelievable. No, I know. And, and that's why I love what you said beforehand about the level of research you've put into this, you know, so you're not just taking it from your opinion. It's an informed set of um, thoughts, if you like, because of, you know, the studies that have been done. Well, let's finish off with the, the steps three and four, just to finish the, the circle for people. I like this to be practical and it has been today. Sure. So, so let's move to three. Yeah. So we talked about mastering internal triggers as step number one. Step number two is making time for traction. There's a lot more yeah. to each one of these techniques, but we'll give you the high Absolutely. level. Overview. We are doing high level, but that's cool. Yes. 30,000 <laughs> foot. Uh, and then the third step is hacking back the external triggers. This is where we can hack back all of the external triggers that can lead us off track, like email meetings, uh, you know, our kids. So this is the turning things off stuff, is it? This is the this is where you're thinking about the 10% to some extent? Yes. So there's one there's one yeah. chapter in the book about hacking back your phone, and that's the easy stuff. That's kind of kindergarten, you know, change your notification settings. Believe it or not, two-thirds of people with a smartphone, did you hear me correctly? Two-thirds two of people with a smartphone never change their notification settings. What? <laughs> Can we honestly say, oh, technology is addicting us? What, what a bunch of- but to, well, I, I spent a little bit of time on Clubhouse at the beginning of this year, quite a bit of time. It was funny, like everyone was saying to me, like, oh, I'm so sick of you, Nick, because every time you go into a room on Clubhouse, it pings on my phone. And I'm like, so that's not my fault, dude. <laughs> turn it <Right>? off. <laughs> exactly. Turn it off, right? Yes, and A exactly. lot of people, they don't take the time to even work out how to do that, right? right. Let they alone complain about else. why they're constantly distracted and then they don't turn off the notifications. But again, that's kindergarten stuff. Don't, don't buy my book because of that. That's easy. No, the no, more no. complicated stuff is, are things like email, right? We spend so much time with email. There's a technique that I teach in the book that can reduce your time spent on email by up to 90%, 9-0. Meetings, pointless meetings can be a huge distraction. As I mentioned kids, you know, so many of us are working from home. What do you do when your kids are a source of external triggers and distractions? So I systematically go through all of these various external triggers and teach you how to hack back. Okay. And what, and what are the things that you personally in that area have been the most game-changing for you as you've gone through this journey? You, do you have oh, like, where, do you like, I, I do only start? do 10 minutes. Like for example, I only do 10 minute meetings and, and I'm never going to send you an email. I'm just going to do a voice recording. I don't know. That, that yeah. sort of stuff. Well, so, so the biggest thing for me has been email, uh, email, yeah. you know, I use a formula in the book that, uh, total time spent on email T equals the number of emails you get times the time you spend per email. And the, the, that stands for TNT to remind you that email can blow up a, a, oh, a, wow. a productive day. I love it. <laughs> right? love it. Uh, email can be the bane of our existence. And it's, there's a very simple technique that I describe in the book around uh, where, you know, the, people don't realize where we waste time on email. You don't waste time answering emails. Uh, you don't spend time or you don't waste time checking emails. You waste time rechecking emails. When we do time studies, we find that where people waste time is opening an email, closing it, opening it again, closing that email, opening it again, opening it three, four, five times. That's ridiculous. That's where we waste the most time unnecessarily. And so there's a simple hack that we can use to, to only touch each email two times. We open it and then we do something with it. We process it. And I show you exactly how. Basically, what yeah. you're going to do is you're going to file each email by when it needs a reply, either today 
or sometime this week. And there's a magic thing that happens when we do that, that about 80% of those emails that we file away to return sometime this week, 80% of them don't actually need a reply. They just decay and priorities change and people solve their own problems as opposed to what most people do. They play email ping pong and they don't realize the cardinal rule of getting less email is sending less email. You're going to love so me I'm not having a look at my... Uh... Have a look at my inbox here on one of my one of my. Don't do um, it. You're getting no, distracted. No, I've got, got, got ten thousand five hundred <laughs> oh in the inbox. God. I'm and literally. I knew, I knew that you'd fall over. I knew you're probably thinking, "This guy, I'm just going to grab him. I'm just going to shake him, right?" No, ten thousand. But you know, I don't. I'm not even going to look at them. I just like you know, they're just there. <laughs> yeah, you you may have to declare email bankruptcy on that one. <laughs> I'm just going to press. I'm going to do like the delete, like you know, whatever. Because at the end of the day, if, some of them go back to like 2013. So yeah, know. but but reread that chapter on how to hack back email. I think it'll change your life. Cool. Okay, let's finish with with point four. So the last one, just to go a little bit yeah. deeper into that, not fully deep, but just enough to cover. Yeah, it sure. Today. So chapter four is, uh, section four is about preventing distraction with packs, and a pack is a pre-commitment device. It's when we decide in advance what we will do when everything else fails. And there are three types of packs. We have effort packs, price packs, and identity packs. And we can use these three types of packs to hold us accountable, to make sure that no matter what, we do not fall off track. And I show you exactly how to kind of erect a, a firewall, if you will, to make sure that uh, that we don't get distracted. But that's the last line of defense. Has there been one of those that's been the most impactful for you? Yeah. So, um, okay. So we've been talking for a little while here. I can get a little personal, right? Can I tell you a little yeah, personal story? Of course you can. You know, so, I share with you my inbox of 10,000, you know, we're friends now. So that's all exactly, good. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> we, we both opened our kimonos. So um, in my life, uh, a few years ago when I was writing the book, um, uh, I've been married for 20 years uh, almost, and it'll be 20 years in September. And uh, my sex life was really suffering because my wife and I, every night we were going to bed and we were scrolling our devices and caressing our computers as opposed to being intimate. And uh, I was researching this book and I learned these amazing techniques from the psychology literature. And I decided to implement one of the techniques I learned, which was to make an effort pact. An effort pact is when we put some bit of friction between ourselves and something we don't want to do, that distraction. So what did I do? I went to the hardware store and I bought uh, us a, an outlet timer. This outlet timer turns anything on and off that you plug into it at a certain time of day or night. So in my household, every night at 10 p.m., my internet router shuts off automatically. I don't have to think about it. Every night, 10 p.m., the internet shuts off. So what did that do? Could I turn the internet back on? Of course I could. I could go under my desk. I could fiddle with it. I could pull it out and replug it and change it. But now that adds a bit of effort, a bit of friction between me and something I know I don't want to do. I want to go to bed at 10 o'clock. So that now I don't have to think about it anymore. I added effort into this pact I made. And after doing it now for several years, I don't even need it anymore, to be honest, because everyone in my household knows 10 o'clock, the internet's going to shut down. So do everything you need to do because it's, after 10 o'clock, you're not going to be able that. to get online. Yeah, remove remove the distraction. I mean, the thing, because I, I do something in the mornings where I used to like, you know, be the, press the, um, what do you call it? The snooze. Mm -hmm. And now I have the, I have the alarm somewhere else. <laughs> so yeah, I've yeah. got to get out. Right. And like, you know, I, once I'm, once I'm up, I'm up. Right. So there's no kind of, and then right. after a while, it just becomes a habit anyway. Right, right. So that's one one example of an effort pact. There's many others. You know, to finish the book, I made a price pact where I made a bet with a friend of mine that I bet him ten thousand dollars that I would finish my book on time. He said, "Oh my god, ten thousand dollars! That's crazy." But hey, you know what? I kept my ten thousand dollars and I finished my book. So there's all kinds of techniques that we can use uh, as the last line of defense. Now, the, the word of warning: you can't do that first because it will fail. Right? If you don't deal with the internal triggers first and you jump straight to the pacts it's going to backfire. It's going to be horrible. You're going to lose your money and your patience. So you have to follow these steps in order.
Awesome. All righty. That's brilliant. Okay. Well, listen, so what's last couple of questions for you, Nick, because you've been very yeah. generous with your time. So what's next for you, right? So you've, you've gone two fantastic books. I, I take it you're the sort of guy who's not going to rest now. What's, what's <laughs> the next project? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm uh, pretty active. So I'm an active angel investor in habit farming yeah. technologies. I continue to, to invest in companies and put my money where my mouth is with companies that utilize my work. Um, I'm, uh, I'm uh, a dad. So I spend a lot of time with my daughter we homeschool. And so I, I spend a lot of time with her. I'm a devoted husband, or at least I try and be. And so I spend a lot of time with my wife as well. And I'm writing another book. So that's gonna, gonna going to uh, be is that a few confident? Is that, is that confidential? Is that just, I'm just, it's super early ah. stages. It, you know, my, my, uh, my cycle time is about five years between books. So I, I was just helping time. with the accountability. <laughs> I was just saying, you've now mentioned it like prime time, you know, UK podcast. So therefore it's happening, but now we're good. All right. So people can find you at your website, which is near and far the book that we've been talking about today. And again, really just scratching the surface. There is a lot more depth in this book. So, you know, it's one of those ones you've got to go in there and really absorb it and take action from. It's called Indistractable, How to Control Your Attention and Choose Your Life. Um, it's been great yeah, having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here today. My pleasure. Thank you. And there you have it, another episode of Scale Up Your Business. Thank you very much for listening. And if you haven't yet, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show become even better. And while you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button to help you on your scale up journey. Now, perhaps you're thinking of growing and scaling your business. Perhaps now is the time. If that's you, then please check out suyb.global. That's where we have all of our programs, including the Growth Accelerator Partnership, the Maximize Value Partnership, all of our services, and of course, coaching and mentoring. Once again, be grateful, be brave, have faith, and show up. Until next time.